It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognize the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest is an adoptee ally. She's a birth mom who I cheer. As with the other first moms featured on this podcast in season two, Militia, episode 18, Marcy, episode 19, and Eileen, episode 20, she is a superstar in my opinion. Her name is D. Yvonne Rivers. One facet of this global business expert is an esteemed speaker, facilitator, and trainer across the globe on four continents. Another facet of this woman started in 1973 with the birth of her son, who she championed for family assistance for support to raise as an unwed mother at age 19. Life changes as she did her best to place her son in a loving home. Yvonne had such ambition and brilliance finishing a pre-med program in three years and accepted to medical school. Yvonne's journey to become a change maker in her life and others began. Over 30 years, she continued the search with letters, journaling, speaking on panels and processing her grief and loss alone. Yvonne was unrelenting and never gave up. 2015 gave her a breakthrough with finding a picture of her son on social media. With boldness, she reached out, not knowing whether she would get rejection or acceptance. Allow me to introduce you to someone who I've become connected with through podcaster and adoptee, Damon Davis, who hosts the Who Am I Really podcast. She and I share belief that there is deep healing in being in communication with all members of the constellation to better understand the trauma we've all suffered. Hi, Yvonne. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing during this time of I a pandemic? Well. I am well, managing in spite of. Same here. Tricky some days more than others, but doing okay. I'm glad yes. you're able to take the time to talk with me today about adoption and being a part of the constellation. I was thinking we would start with talking about your podcast, Birth Moms okay. Real Talk. You want to start there? Very good. That sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. I call it Real Talk, Jennifer, because we talk real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to say the real deal and deal with the hot topics and why particularly I, I coined that title was so many times in the adoption constellation, as you said, the true story or the transparency or the secrets will sneak in even when people are trying to deal with it and process. Whether you're an adoptee, whether you're a birth mom, birth parent, or an adoptive parent, they're just things we have to deal with because adoption is lifelong. Truly it is a lifelong journey. I've had an opportunity to listen to several of your episodes. I think I've actually listened to all of them, and they're so well done. And it's good to hear from birth moms. Everybody's story is different. And so it gives, especially adoptees, a little more insight into how big the picture really is. Any of the episodes stick out to you right now? I'm glad you brought that up because when you mentioned the different perspectives, the diversity, I mean, I will go from recording one birth mom that it was a very traumatic experience 
that it was maybe an attack or trauma, as well as a birth mom who didn't know she was pregnant until 12 hours before she gave birth. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different episodes. The joy I get, the satisfaction I get is when after the podcast launches and they get responses back from the family or friends. One particular one I think of, there was a mom who shared her story and her father emailed me afterwards mm. and thanking me for having her on the podcast because he learned things about his daughter he never knew before. It had been 25 years. Wow. One particular thing he mentioned, and she talked about this on the podcast, that on Mother's Day, she never got anything from her family or even Happy Mother's Day. Mm. And how that made her feel as if they knew she had given birth, but they never recognized it as that disenfranchised grief. And after she did her podcast, as I said, the father emailed me and he made a statement from here on in, I will make my point of recognizing her and saying happy Mother's Day to her. That was a pivotal point for that whole family. Yeah, because she's a mom that didn't get to raise her child. Yes, yes. And she wasn't even honored of even saying Happy Mother's Day. They recognized and they knew. So it's not like they didn't know the story. They knew the story, but they just didn't see her, uh, honor her, recognize her as a mother. Right. And let's talk a little bit about disenfranchised grief, because I think I first heard it or really paid attention to it from listening to your show. Let's talk about that. What is it exactly? Disenfranchised grief is when someone will suffer a grief, but it's not acknowledged by, I'll say, by general society. Definitely having a a child and birth mothers will experience it. Other ones or options would be if you're divorced, let me just put that. Mm-hmm. If you're divorced, you don't get that three-day bereavement mm-hmm. <laughs> if you have a traumatic situation. So you have this situation that people go through trauma, but other people don't recognize it as trauma. They look at it as, okay, that's an incident. You get over it. And, you know, I, I repeat that. You'll get over it because a lot of birth moms heard that when they gave birth. Oh, you know, once she plays, you get over, you just move on with your life and you just, you know, not even remember your child. And who came up with that idea? They just were so off. Mm -hmm. They just were so off. So the disenfranchised, when you not recognized and honored, just like this mother was not, that was disenfranchised grief there. But I say all birth moms, I speak for myself. I know I had that because if you've listened to my story on my podcast, I had no family support, not even recognizing or even acknowledging when I came to them and said that I was pregnant and asking for help and got really the blank brick wall. And so even while going into the hospital, knowing I'm pregnant, I go into the hospital, in the hospital for three days, come out of the hospital, no one asked, did you have a son? Did you have a daughter? I simply walked in and announced, I have a son. Mm. So I was disenfranchised my entire life from that. And really, my parents are deceased now. But I recognize that's where their forgiveness and the healing and the grace comes in. They just were not able to handle that. They were not able to deal with it. Yes, I was expecting and hoping for that I would have, well, wow, you've got a child. Even before I really gave birth to have some support. But even afterwards, just acknowledging it. And it never was acknowledged. So I then had to acknowledge it myself. And I don't say that's the perfect solution, but I encourage birth moms that you really have got to say, I say, stick your toes in and deal with yourself in this situation to empower yourself. Because if others don't do it, who's going to do it? I thought about adoptees having disenfranchised grief Uh as well, Uh because I know for me growing up, it wasn't that it was discussed. 
the loss that I had suffered being separated from my original family. So I think adoptees, we really Mm -hmm. have it just as much. I was wondering, has any adoptee reached out to you and given you feedback at all about your podcast? Oh, so many. (laughs) You know, I love it. I love it. And and really, that's normally what you, you sort of alluded to it when you first began. The adoptees I hear from, I now have a birth mother's perspective. And what they love about it, as they say, it's like listening in, not to say that a birth mom are exactly like their mom, whether they've met them or not. And I definitely agree with you, Jennifer. The whole constellation really suffers from disenfranchised grief, because just as you say, when your heritage and your history and you've not acknowledged that you have a past, if even if it's only those 39 weeks you're in your mother's womb, just acknowledging that, that is like just dismissing it as if it didn't happen. Just like I spoke about for me not being acknowledged as having a child, or being pregnant and getting support, such as adoptees. And I see it on the other, the, tri- the complete triad, because you have the adoptive parents, if they are not coming to terms with whatever was their prevailing factor on why they sought adoption, a lot of the times is like infertility. Have you dealt with that? Have you dealt with that you've not been able to have your biological and still want to adopt and accept them as your own? I've, I've heard some adoptees talk about, well, they when they're adopted that it's like if it's a son, maybe they didn't get the junior. Maybe if they end up having biological children, that the biological child got the junior. So it's like, who am I? You know, mm-hmm. I was the firstborn or first in the family. Let's put it that way. Then uh, do I deserve the junior, or do you treat me like you? And I've now you're adoptee because you can speak about this. I think I've heard adoptees refer to the biological children as the golden children, whatever. Mm-hmm. So all of that is disfranchising, that you're not acknowledging the true story or just being able to talk about it. And right. that's when I say, Jennifer, you hear me talk about real talk. Until you have a dialogue about something, you really are not addressing it. Mm-hmm. You really aren't. Right. It's not easy. Oh, it's not easy at all. But we have to walk through that tough part to get to the true joy of life. Because this is lifelong, so it's not its not like, well, okay, I'll wait. Well, you can, but it's like to have your best life, I like to say. Right. It's that dialogue. Well, I see you as an adoptee ally. It's so wonderful to talk to other members of the Constellation who are, like, really adoptee allies. And I've had three birth moms on the podcast, and they all searched for their children found them and have gone on to help other adoptees be in reunion or just be such a support. So I just want to thank you for that. That's really why I wanted to have you on today so we could talk a little bit about your story and also the things that you're doing in the community to support other birth moms and I guess everybody, adoptees and... Everyone. It's everyone. And and you'll hear me say is that I encourage everyone to listen, even outside the adoption constellation. And I do have, I do have listeners because I do a live Facebook twice a month and I've had on the live Facebook an actual question. What is a birth mom? Mm. Everyone doesn't know that terminology. Right. And so I then explained that it was a mom who did not raise their child because... I actually did have someone submit their story and they wanted to be on the podcast. And I said, are you a birth mom? And the response was, yes, I have three kids I raised. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. Right. That's <laughs> not what we're talking right. about. Yeah. But, but definitely I am an advocate because everyone has a right to their original birth certificate. That's your true story. Mm-hmm. the amended is not your true story. It's part of your story with that. In fact, I got a call this week of the advocacy about lobbying in, in legislatures and general assemblies across the country to lobby for that. Some states have granted it. I think maybe possibly New York was the last one. 
But that's a struggle because if you don't know where you've come from, you do not know where you're going and really using that heritage and legacy. That is one thing that I really have made a point of once our reunion with my son. So given his history and legacy, he has his family tree. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that, your search and reunion. How did that go? Okay. Well, 45 years it took. <laughs> it's a long time. It took a yeah. long time. You know, and people will ask me, Yvonne, did you ever give up? I never gave up. I was disappointed. I was sad. And I wondered. I prayed. I just stood. And, and I remember writing. I used to journal. I would write a lot. And I went back and found journals I've written 30-some years ago. I will find my, see, I said, I will see my son one day. Mm. That was the first thing, to see him. I will see him one day. Had no clue how, had no clue when, because back in, this was 1973 that I placed. And at that particular time, it was not social media, Facebook, even internet. And so the idea of being a closed adoption and no records and so forth, I always did what I could as a birth mom, meaning placing what information I had in the state registry for the state that I gave birth in. So in case he was looking for me, he had that. Wherever I moved, I kept my address updated in case he was looking for me. That was a struggle for so many years. And when I say see, that was the first thing. I wanted to see a picture. I saw him for about 15 minutes when he was 12 days old. That was my only look in his face. And I remember saying to him, you have my eyes, you have my nose, you have my mouth. And that was etched in my brain Mm. from that particular point in time. Did you get to hold him? I mentioned in my podcast, who's really my mentor and my doctor, who really recommended the adoptive family. So it was a private adoption. It turned out that he couldn't leave the hospital with a condition uh, once I left. So once he uh, became healthy enough, I was the one who had to go back to the hospital, to the maternity ward, and basically sign for his release. So the adoption papers preliminary had been signed. Nothing had been signed and was made permanent. But I ended up um, meeting the paralegals, some of the law firm, in the lobby of the hospital. So I was the one who went in to dress him. And that was my first time seeing him because when he was born, I did not see him. So mm-hmm. that time it took for dressing him in maternity and taking the elevator down to the lobby. That was the time that I had with him mm-hmm. until he was 45 years old. Mm-hmm. So you, you found him in 2015. Yes. Tell me about that. I saw him on social media in 2015 Mm -hmm. and searching just for his birthday and the area where he was born. And I saw this picture that popped up and it was like, whoo, that's him. I remember calling my best girlfriend. I found him. I found him and I'm like crying and blubbering over the phone. She's like, what, 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 what's going on? Mm-hmm. I found my son. I, I, that's him. That's him. That's him. And seeing the picture, and it was a picture. And I looked at it. And I said, that's him. Now, people who know me <laughs> know I'm pretty bold, <laughs> bodacious at <sometimes>, times, <laughs> most of the time, quite frankly. And I knew it was now or never, meaning that I had to reach out. I could not let that time go away. And in that particular social media site, you had to request a connection. And uh, it was LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. So I requested a connection. He happened to be online. So accepted my connection. And I'm still saying, uh-huh, uh-huh. This is, what, this is him, this is him. Because he wouldn't have connected me. Because I'm like putting all the dots together. Right. All the dots together. And so... Once he uh, accepted my connection, I was like, okay, I got to reach out. And, you know, at the same time, I'm thinking, he's probably going to think, he may think, I didn't know what he knew, didn't know what he knew he was adopted, because, right. you know, that's the situation. Mm-hmm. And so when I reached out, it's like, um, the subject was in search of my son. 
and reference a very cryptic message. See, you were born in this area and your birthday is this date. Uh, would you know anything? Very generic. And his response, as I say, he was right on line. Not sure what you're asking. Mm. Um, sounds like you know more than you're saying. So my response back, I don't remember this, this verbatim. I, I said, yes, I do, but I do, will not, do not want to discuss this on social media. Gave my email and my phone number. And I think he maybe res- responded something like, well, not sure now or whatever. It was nearly three years later, that same message I sent, he responded back to me and said, hi, <laughs> just H-I, hi. Three years later. Three years later. Oh, my goodness. Three years later. Now, at the same time, never got any message. I, and I never sent another message because I made it clear is the fact that, and I think I made a statement. I said, if you want to talk, I do not want to intrude, but this is my phone number and this is my email address. So for nearly three years, I never sent another message. Right. What I did notice, he never disconnected from me. Right. And sometimes I would see private view of my profile that I, I suspected it was him sort of staying connected with what I was doing and where I was. But he reached out. And yeah, it was nearly three years, 2018. And he responded and said hi, and he wanted to talk. So that led to him, we setting up time for phone, then maybe about three months later, meeting in person. Wow. So, you know, I've heard your story a couple of times, and I'm just sitting right now in what you just shared about getting this email three years later. Mm-hmm. When you saw that, Describe how you felt. <laughs> well, I screamed. I remember I screamed. I don't like screaming. I screamed. Were you I at home? Screamed. I was at home. Mm-hmm. I was at home in front of my computer, and in front of in my in my home office. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember screaming. And I said, "Hallelujah!" That is exactly the first thing I said. Mm. Now, at the same time, what he said, he said, "Hi." Something like he wanted to reconcile his past or something like that. And would I, would I meet with him or talk with him? So it was a question that he wasn't sure mm-hmm. that I wanted to. So my immediate response, and I responded immediately, absolutely, <laughs> yes, I want to see you. <laughs> Let's clear this up right now. Right. <laughs> Let's clear this up right now. And so... That's when it was he responded and said he'll be in contact. I think it was maybe a couple of days later that he, because uh, it's my mobile number, he texted me to say when would be a time we could talk by phone. So we set a time to talk by phone. And um, we did. And I was so nervous. I was like waiting by the phone, going through 45 years now. Yeah. And I kept saying that to myself. That's what. It's been 45 years. Does he sound like me? You know, I, what, what, you know what kind of person is he? These are all the questions right, I was going Right, We set a time that he would call me. He called right on the dot. He called right on the dot. <laughs> Pick up the phone. <laughs> and when I heard his voice, it was like, wow. And I said to him, it, I, I, it was like, it was like I was talking to me because I really could hear me in his voice. Mm. We talked, oh, I'd say, probably a couple of hours that first time. Did he say why it and, took him so long, three years? Yeah, I, I asked him that question. And, and his response was, his bottom line response, he said he, he felt like he matured and he was ready. And he used the word needed to and wanted to. I was a directory through social services. He would have found like my address and all that before I even reached out to him. So after 21, he could have found what I was had placed there. Mm-hmm. And I had placed information there about what the circumstances and why and all of that. That was what his interest was because he did not know for sure that he was adopted until he was 13 years old. He said he suspected because he was adopted 
prior to his adopted mom and dad having other children. They end up having other children, biological children, two or three years after they, they adopted him. And he made the comment that he looked different than his brothers. Mm. So he has younger brothers. Mm-hmm. And he found a piece of paper. This is what he shared news with to me that I had no clue. He said he found a piece of paper when he was 13 years old. <laughs> and I think he mentioned under the bed or whatever. So obviously, you know, mm-hmm. supposedly hidden or whatever. It had my name on it. To this day, I don't know, and he didn't recall what it was, but it had my name on it, my full name, including the one I just told you, my first name, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole name. And he said he went to his parents and asked them, what is this? And their response was, you are adopted. And just a matter of fact. It, yeah. He mm-hmm. said he inquired, like, uh, anything else? Nothing else. Mm. And I said, you ever go back to him? He said, he never did. I said, then I answered him then. He wasn't going to ask again. And so I go back to my angel because when him, which was my doctor, recommending, they had the at least the sketch or the framework of the story. They knew my circumstance that I just finished college. And right. Medical school and the situation of the birth father. They knew that. And they never um, shared that with him. Wow. No. So he heard it from me. Right. For the first time. Mm. He heard it from me. So you're in reunion. You meet him a couple months after talking on the phone. And like, describe it. Where do you go? <laughs> <laughs> well, we live about maybe 200 miles apart from each other. So we met halfway. Okay. So each drove halfway. I describe it as a lifetime movie because it was so dramatic. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're going to meet at 12 noon in the lobby of a, of a hotel. And I end up getting a, a room there, a suite there to stay the night as well as a place for us to talk privately. So I got in there first. And so we were texting each other. So I let him know that once I got there, so I'm sitting in the hotel lobby on the sofa facing the fireplace. Mm. I give him a description. (laughs) So, of course, he had seen a picture of me on social media, Mm -hmm. okay? When he gets there, it was right on time, sitting away from the door, my back to the door, on the sofa facing the fireplace. And I had texted him while he was driving before he had gotten there. I said, "Uh, text me before you come into the hotel lobby because I may just pass out once I see you, okay? And I was serious. I mean, right, was right. like, I'm knowing this is really just traumatic yeah. and, and emotional. Yeah. And so what well, he didn't text me, but you know how you get the sense that somebody has walked in the room with you? Yes. Well, I got the sense somebody's behind me. I stood up, turned around, and my 12-day beautiful brown baby boy was a six-foot-one handsome young man <laughs> the biggest smile on his face oh wow we just went into others arms i was just bawling and he was holding me so tight he locked his arms around me i know the people in the lobby of the hotel were like, what is up with the two of them but i didn't even care i just didn't care and so we just hugged i mean i don't know what how long and I remember when we, we loosened the brace, I looked up at him and I said, my son. And he said, yes. Mm. It was, I mean, priceless. How special. Priceless. Yeah. Priceless. Yeah. Nothing, nothing will ever take that. Yeah. Nothing. I think about two or three hours. I think we went to have lunch and came back and talked some more. So that was our first meeting. Did he have... A lot of questions. He didn't, have, because we're talking now on the phone. So it wasn't just one conversation. So that time that we talked, uh, we had talked several times before, uh, after that. So he pretty much had gotten a full story mm-hmm. of the scenario. Yeah. His, his birth father uh, was deceased at that time. And actually, I, I didn't find that out or knew that until I found him in 2015. So after that, I went to try to find out, you know, where is he? Because in my mind is like, okay, I found our son. And I found out that he had passed away in 
2008, so several years before I found him, mm-hmm. that his birth father had passed away. So I, of course, didn't have any actual pictures, but good old Facebook. <laughs> Once we did meet in 2018 between myself and him and um, his wife, had found a Facebook profile that had a picture of his father to see who his birth father was. Mm-hmm. Does he look like you? He looks like me. Mm-hmm. He ha- he, he's sort of mixed between the color of, of his birth father. So a combination, yeah. I wanted him to have all of that. At the same time, family history and tree and the family tree. As I mentioned, I had been working on genealogy with Lisa, my, my maternal mom and dad's side that I had compiled and been working on this for years. So each side of the family actually had like a 30-page PDF Word document. My gift to him, that was, we met prior to his birthday that year in 2018. And my gift to him on his birthday was his family tree. Mm. What a wonderful gift. Yeah. Yeah. And we sit and looked at it and talked about it. I'm sort of a historian and and thinking about that. Again, when I say legacy, that was able to share about generations who were in slavery, how they came out of slavery and were landowners and and all of that. So he was really uh, pleased and intrigued with that because that's part, part of him. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to get something like that. I know he appreciated that. So how would you describe... The reunion has been over five years now. Do well, you... it's going into, yeah, well, it'll be four years in meeting. In oh, right, 18, 2018, right. Yeah. And so it's, 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 when I say it's good, it's good that the good part is that I, I got my son in my life. Mm-hmm. We're building because that is the emotional side of it is, yes, he's my blood. He's my son. But we don't know each other. So we're gradually getting to know each other. Right. And that's a step-by-step process. We first met in person. So we kept up the phone calls, not on a regular basis, but would reach out and with emails and so forth. And so we're finding out about each other. And that's a constant thing. Yeah. We don't have a regular time. We talked, in fact, I guess about a couple of weeks ago. And I, I, I normally be the one reaching out. Okay, you ready for a chat? Let's set a time, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so that was a couple of weeks ago. So I think we're going to be talking uh, next week sometime. Uh, he's in business for himself, just like I am. So, so many similarities. That was the other thing. Not only for as I saw that he just, he's even got a birthmark of mine's just beside his eye like I do. And wow. He went to, um, majored in the same thing in college that I did. He runs a business like I do. And that's he likes something. Jazz like I do. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is more than mirroring that we find out about, that yeah. we see the similarities in just the nature piece. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're building. We're building. It's good. It's, it's, all, it's always emotional. And I've gotten some pictures from him. When he was younger, because that was that was my the part that I missed, because I didn't I didn't see him while he was being raised and growing up. He sent me some pictures that when he was maybe five years old or six or seven or in high school or in college. So I have those, mm-hmm. and that that helps me to know well this is how he was or this is where he was when he was growing up. One of the first things I think after we had first uh, yeah we had actually met that he had did a photo shoot for his business and for his website. And he did the photo shoot. And that day, he sent me the pictures. He said, look, here's some pictures for my photo shoot. That was just <laughs> like me getting his grade school pictures. I felt like he was in five, fifth grade right. and I'm getting his pictures. Yeah, that was so awesome. That was. I, I can picture that. Yeah, yeah. Look at my pictures. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. And, you know, and I see different things that that he will do and even say about how much he, and this does touch my heart, how much he's proud of the, me and the work I do. 
I let him know I was doing the podcast. He was like, I'm proud of you that you're reaching out and you're sharing and spreading the word of your story and allowing your story to help others. Mm-hmm. You know, that's priceless. What a fact. Well, I that's hope priceless. he listens to this episode and and would like to be a guest on my show. I would really like that. So I keep my fingers crossed. <laughs> right, and, right. And so not being able to raise him, what comes up for you when you think about that? Well, the thing of it is, is I, I got married, I think seven or eight years after he was born and was married for close to 10 years, ended up having two miscarriages. I actually felt very, very, I don't know what's the word, disappointed with that, but well, God's punishing me because I placed my first son or child with someone else. Mm-hmm. And very hurtful. I mean, I, I expected to have other children. I let him know that I didn't have other children, and he's my only child. That itself, I think he hasn't said specifically I believe makes a special bond between the two of us. Mm-hmm. He knows about how I got married. It ended up it was a horrific divorce. So a lot of trauma and grief for losing the marriage. A lot of other things in the family, not only just the non-support of dysfunction for my family, but just a lot of things that I went through that were just very tough. And I, I always took that very forward transparency with him. And I said to him, I will never keep secrets from you. I will be transparent with everything and keep you up to date and abreast of everything that I'm doing. I'm not hiding anything because part of it, and I guess you can address it too, one thing is regarding him not knowing who I was. And he said he wanted to know. And then when he found my name and still not being told more, he wanted to know more. He wanted his parents to tell him more. But they didn't. His uh, adopted father has passed away, I think in 2016, 2017, before we met. His mom is still alive. That's something that I think he's still working through now with why they didn't tell him. And see, that's something she will have to answer for him. Right. Yeah, we want to know. Adoptees want to know any and everything. It definitely builds trust. Um, there have been a few guests who have the opportunity to have adoptive parents that were very transparent. And it just means so much when that's the case. Did you get a chance to to meet his mother, his adoptive mother? No, no, have not. I've let him know that I'm open to that. Mm -hmm. I've let him know that I'm open to that. She knows that we're connected. How much they have a conversation about it. I don't know, right. but she knows we are connected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what made you decide to be open, honest, and public about your experience? Well, you know, I always have been to the best of my ability, and I say that. Because even back in the 70s, after I placed, I've always done different public things. I've been in media and whatever and press. And I remember that probably the first time I said it out publicly or and shared that I was a birth mom was probably maybe in 1980 that he would have been like seven or eight years old, that I was on a panel and it was discussing adoption and it was adoption in the black community. And it actually was a program. I think it's a national program called uh, One Church, One Child and really advocating for Black churches and congregations to bring in adoption services or agencies and encourage those to adopt. I was on the panel and we were discussing that. We're discussing adoption. And I remember saying, I'm a birth mom. No one else that I knew who was in that room or whatever knew that I was until I said that. And I and I shared my story about how it was. And how that I wish that I would have been able to care for my son myself, but I didn't have that opportunity. And I was encouraging others who didn't want to adopt that children need a home. And I talked about for the fact that I was, and I say blessed to have my mentee who I considered my angel to just recommend someone and said they will give him a good home. And, and he had a good life. That was one thing we talked about when we first met that first day. Not, not even first day, but even before on the phone. 
because I said, how was your life growing up? And he said, I had a good life. And he came out, I didn't ask him, but he came out and he said, I, I don't hate you. I, I don't I don't hold anything against you because once I've heard your story, that I know you did the very best and, and you still love me. So he knows that. And that was something I would have brought up. And that's one particular thing that I do encourage girls moms is be transparent with your child. And I say, you you tell the story. Don't allow them to pull it out of you, you know, because I've heard adoptees talk, well, she's not sharing the whole story. Share the whole story because the truth is the truth is the truth. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. It is so important. And so what do you think has been the most rewarding thing about being connected to the adoption community? Most rewarding thing I, I, I see, and I see it in all aspects, of the fact that people want to be connected. They want love. A lot of times, depending on their personalities and whether they're able to ask for that connection. When I see changes, and I say changes because the birth mom I talked about who shared, or the, the father who, who reached back out, I've seen changes in people, and, and they will say that. This is the first time I've shared. I feel free. I feel lighter. And that's so true because they've been holding this secret for years. And I shared my story once I was in a reunion with my son, with my church, pretty large church. And the title and the pastor and bishop had asked for people who had experienced miracles. Finding my son in reunion with my son after 45 years, that was my miracle. Mm. And I wanted to share that. And so I submitted that, and they asked me to share on the pulpit. So I came up and uh, ended up sharing a picture of the day that we met, so a picture of my son and I. And I shared the story. When I walked down off the pulpit and later after service, at least 10 people came up to me. They had never shared their story. One particular one comes to mind, and she said she's over 80 years old. She had a child when she was 14, a daughter. It was apparently a family adoption that she was adopted within the family, but it was kept secret. She never knew that that was her mom. Well, hmm. obviously recently, and so I guess the, the, the child now is 50s or 60s or whatever, she didn't know how to deal with it. And I said, how do you feel the fact that she now knows this woman has been holding this for 60-some years mm. and now able to acknowledge that she's her daughter's mother. With, I, I don't know what they said, it was cousin, you know, some in the family, but not saying that that's your mom. Right, a kinship and, adoption, and, yeah. Yes, yes. And then some adoptive parents had come up. And I've had some of these adoptive parents on their Facebook Live uh, on Saturdays because I've had the triad on there. Adoptive parents, adoptees, as well as birth parents. And this one young lady who had adopted a son, and she shared her story about wanting her son to find his mother and encouraging him. Now, it's two sides of the coin because I've met other adoptive parents who don't want their child to meet their heritage or their parents because of maybe what they said and then we come into stereotypes because so many times the picture is painted, especially if someone has a child at 14 or 15, well, she must have been on drugs or she's footloose and fancy free. She's a slut. I mean, they will say that. If you listen to all the parts, you know a couple of those moms said that's how they were classified as sluts or had to go to the attic or the basement when someone came to the house. I mean, all of that put on someone, that is so denigrating. You may be very proud and empowered, but when someone constantly beats you down and you can't be seen by others, oh, that has an effect. That has an effect on the rest of your life. Sure it does, yeah. Yeah, it does. Well, I uh, guess we can wrap it up. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? Well, again, to the whole adoption constellation, talk to each other. Have that real talk. Be honest and share about the trauma and the pain. Now, Jennifer, I do a podcast. 
I talk to birth moms, adoptees call me and whatever. This is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reunion is hard. And I think I, I talk about that because if you're not dealing with the truth, if this was just rosy and easy, oh no, how can, and I, and I have to sit myself down sometimes, Jennifer, and say, Yvonne, you're in reunion with your son after 45 years. Give yourself grace to take the time and constantly build this relationship with him. It is not going to happen overnight. I'm not putting pressure on him. And, and at the same time, he's open. He sees I'm open. And sometimes he'll even say, wow. And he'll use the word different, which I suspect I'm different from his adoptive mom. Mm-hmm. And that's okay because we're different people. Right. At the same time, when he talked about wanting to know more, he gets the real deal for me. He gets everything. And he can ask me anything, anytime, anywhere. And he knows that. That's great. So what is the most meaningful thing about being in reunion with your son? Number one, for the fact that I found him and he's alive and well. Yeah. He's alive and well. I bring that up because it didn't have to be. Right. It didn't have to be. So I'm just so grateful and blessed for that. Number two, I laugh when I say this. Years ago, before I met him, I would say, I want him to be proud of me. He has told me that. Mm. He has told me that. You know, like I say, he's in business and I'm in business. And sometimes he'll he'll comment on Facebook. In fact, it was a couple, couple of weeks ago that I posted something I was doing, speaking in Dubai or somewhere. And he commented directly on there, look at you trying to conquer the world, you know, or something like that. He's had said, he's proud of me. And I'm proud of him. I'm so proud of him. It's so, I see so much in him that's in me, which makes me proud. And what I tell him, I said, because he was telling me, you do this. I said, well, you're brilliant 2.0. You know, you get it from me, but you're much better than I am. And you're taking it to the nth degree. So I always will just, just compliment and let him know how proud I am of him. And I and this is a statement I say, I've said to him. I like you because you're a good person. Well, mm-hmm. not because you're my son. You're just a great person. Mm-hmm. That's nice. It's nice that it's mutual. Yes, yes. very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but the emotions are still there and tough. Yeah, emotions are there. Yeah. Well, you know, you came to my attention through Damon Davis. So we got to say... A shout out to him for um, the tremendous work he's doing and how he helped both of us launch our podcast mm-hmm. in 2021 and, and how yeah. he still continues to give us guidance, great guidance. So right. I'm glad right. we got connected. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. I'll put it in the show notes so people can go and listen to your episodes and also what you do on the Facebook Live that's fantastic. I hope to join you. Yes, we'd love to have you. Yeah, join you there. And um, yeah. I just appreciate yeah. this time we had to talk. And each time I hear you, you have a beautiful voice. I just get really inspired because all members mm-hmm. of the Constellation really should be at the table. And that's, Absolutely. that's an Absolutely. ideal situation, yes. Right. And giving more kudos to Damon. <laughs> I heard a birth mom on his podcast. And I listen in because I would listen to adoptees because I want to hear another side too. It's not like I'm just looking, listening to birth mom. And he had a birth mom on there and he made a statement about that he didn't feel like as being an adoptee that he could tell the birth mom story. I immediately sent him an email and he obviously sent it right back. I said, I'm that birth mom who's going to do this. <laughs> he was like, really? He said, yeah. So we then talked. And it was like the process of building that. So yes, absolutely. And he's been he's been on my Facebook Live and constantly, you know, with that too. So it does take off. It does take off. Yeah. It does take the whole constellation, the triad. And I encourage if I have to say something to everyone, I would say adoptees, please hold on to for your legacy, whatever you deserve. You deserve to have your original birth certificate. Nothing should be kept from you because you were the only person in the triad who did not have a decision to make or didn't make a decision. Thank you. You for did sh- not have a choice. Thank you. You did for not have a choice. For sharing that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, this has been great. 
I want to honor your time, and maybe you'll come back on. We'll talk about some more. And I and I just urge everybody listening. I urge everyone to go and listen to Birth Moms Real Talk, the podcast hosted by D. Yvonne. And I know you'll get more details of her story. I purposely left out time to really get into how she found herself pregnant and having to make the the really difficult decision to place her son. So go take a listen. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I so appreciate you and you're doing wonderful work and we will continue to do work together. We're advocates of each other when we are in this together. That means everybody, we're in this together. Thank you. Having the opportunity to spend time listening and understanding the perspective of a birth mom is priceless. D. Yvonne is transparent and vulnerable in public spaces in the hopes that others will be moved to show up and share their experience for the purpose of helping others. She is indeed an adoptee ally in believing that the questions we want answered are well-deserved, all of them. All adoptees should receive their original birth certificates and the answers before their placement. She hosts the fantastic podcast, Birth Moms Real Talk, that allows us to get a glimpse into the lives of mothers who relinquish their children to adoption. All adoptees have a before adoption, and many of us want to know about it. I identify with the idea that there are mothers everywhere who weren't able to parent their children. It's heartbreaking when I think of that. And Mother's Day is for them too. In a perfect world, who wouldn't want to be in the life of the child they carried? Thank you, Yvonne, for having this conversation with me. I'm honored that you created time in your full schedule to discuss the subject of adoption and how it has impacted you. As a major contributor to the adoption community, many members of the Constellation will benefit from the work that you do, especially adoptees. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash adopteeland. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community.